Hello, hello. My name is Nakmi and I'm back with the next season of Make Change Studio podcast. Today I'm recording the very first episode of the summer semester and I thought to myself, hmm, how could we start this semester with something that is super inspiring and at the same time speak volumes about what really happens at Make Change? Which is why today I'm joined by four fantastic Make Change students here in my studio who are all exceptional in their own ways. Let's listen to them to know more about their thoughts on Make Change and how has been their journey thus far. The students who are joining me today are Jessica Kola, Sophia Nguyen, Danikin, and Kelly. All right. Welcome, Jessica, Kelly, Danik, and Sophia to Make Change Studio Podcast. How are you guys doing? We're doing great, Agni. How are you? Yeah, great. Awesome. So let's start with the introduction. So why don't Jessica introduce yourself first, and then we'll uh, move along the room with everybody else. Yeah, for sure. So my name is Jessica. I'm a CAT major and I'm pursuing the Certificate of Entrepreneurship. And this is actually my last semester. So that's super exciting. Congratulations, Jessica. So do you know what are you going to do after? Um, I will probably continue working with the Chang Institute for Entrepreneurship. Oh, cool. So you have a vision. You have an idea. I thought it was too early to ask. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see. There's, There's other stuff we'll see. But for now, that's the plan. Cool. No, I'm very excited for you, Jessica. Congratulations. Kelly, please. Hi. Uh, thanks for having me. I, uh, I'm also just finishing school, which is pretty exciting. I did a major in communications um, with a minor in environmental studies and dialogue. Um, yeah, and Make Change was like the last class I took in my degree, and I think that fit really well. Cool. Congratulations, Kelly. It's always wonderful having you in our classes. Sophia? Oh, hi, I'm Sophia. I'm a third year BD student. Um, I do concentrate in marketing and entrepreneurship. I still have a long way to go, but making studio has been really fun. I've taken the last fall semester, spring semester, and now upcoming summer semester. So I think it's a really great way to uh, change it up from um, my usual business classes. So I'm really excited for what happens. Wow, cool, Sophia. Thank you so much. And last but not the least, we have Danikin. Hey, everyone. My name is Danikin, and I'm a business major as well, just like Sophia, but I plan to focus on entrepreneurship. Mm, cool. Um, thank you so much, Danikin, and thank you, everyone, for introducing yourselves. Let's get started with real questions. Let's start with Make Change, and how was your experience with Make Change? Did it make a difference in the way of your thinking, looking at the world, problem solving? What part of your personality was mostly impacted by this experience? And once again, we're going to start with Jessica, moving to Kelly, Sophia, and Jonathan. Jessica, go for it. For sure. So Make Change was a fantastic experience. It's really unlike any other classes you'll find in your undergraduate degree. Um, Unlike traditional classrooms where you're just kind of being fed information and then you have your tests Make change is very hands-on, so you really learn by doing, and I felt the class really allowed you to develop skills that you wouldn't otherwise be able to develop in the typical classroom, So, um, such as any of the entrepreneurial mindset values, like tolerance of ambiguity, for example. Um, As students, oftentimes, we're really used to having step-by-step every single thing laid out for us, but 
in the real world when you're working, that's not really the reality. A lot of the times you need to take your own initiative. And of course, you do need to know when to ask for help, but Make Change really allowed you with the support of your instructors, mentors, and fellow classmates to really learn how to create your own path and to explore through the lens of textile sustainability. Mm, that's so uh, wonderful, Jessica. And Jessica, I know that you have taken other um, entrepreneur entrepreneurial mindset courses as well, just like Change Lab and um, others. Do you like? Do you care? Like, do you know what? Where does the difference lie, particularly between this and um, Make Change? And how would you define Make Change um, as as in common to those versus as a different to those? Yeah, for sure. So I really do believe all of the entrepreneurship capstones are fantastic in their their own ways. Where Make Change really differs is it brings in the sustainability aspect with design and business. Whereas Change Lab, it's a little bit more focused on health issues. And I know Tech E is more focused on technology. So each program really has something for every person in Make Change specifically. um, I took the first semester and I'm enrolled for the last semester we had a chance to work on a children's book and actually go through with the publishing process. And I don't know many classes outside of maybe the publishing minor where you would actually get a chance to do that. So it was really allowing us to step outside of our comfort zone and experiment with something that you wouldn't do in your typical classes. Very cool. We'll talk about that project. Hold on to that top for a moment and we'll come back to you, Jessica. Thank you so much for your insightful conversation. Um, and Kelly, I'm interested to know, um, like it's it's uh, often said that make change develop transferable skills, um, something that you can learn and like kind of like a soft skills. So Give us an example in your own particular case, uh, how it helped you. Yeah, totally. So I think I was first interested in Make Change because of like the sustainability aspect and specifically the textile sustainability aspect. But then when I got there, I felt that the skills I was learning in terms of like thinking through a project and then having all this support around you to like clarify your vision. Anyway, thinking through the steps of a project and like really doing it as if you weren't in a class <laughs> was the most amazing experience, especially at the end of the degree. Um, so yeah, uh, I think like learning those skills was amazing. And then the confidence with that goes with learning those skills and like being like, oh yeah, like I can do that were like just huge takeaways for me. Mm, interesting. Thank you so much, Kelly. And how would you... Um, um, tell to the other students in terms of uh, who are looking to get into make change. Um, how would you um, define? You have been with make change for two semesters, right? Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, fall and uh, fall and spring. For those who don't know, make change happens in three semesters: fall, spring, and summer. Summer is the one that we're going to be starting soon, and uh, so unfortunately, Kelly is like is graduating, so she won't be here with us. Uh, but yeah, she started in fall, and she uh, stayed tuned till in spring, and now she is graduating. So overall, Kelly, when you joined Make Change in fall versus now, what has changed in you? Have you changed at all or you're still the same? (laughs) Good question. Um, Yeah, I think I've definitely changed. I think um, I, I, 
I never thought necessarily that I would want to do something business related, but just because of, I just had never occurred to me, but going through the class, I was like, wow, like business projects allow you to have so much creativity, like in the process of like creating the business, not just in like, I like to sew like in a little like creative craft project. So learning that was, I think, really big for me. And I think I'll like in the future think about uh, how if I ever I'm like, wow, I have an idea, like maybe I would actually do it, which is cool. Um, So I think that's the biggest way I've changed and like the biggest takeaway. And that's pretty empowering. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Kelly. Um, wonderful conversation. Um, Sophia, I'm interested to know your experience with Make Change and, uh, uh, you know, what have you learned? How has it changed you or impacted your experience overall at SFU? Mm-hmm, for sure. So Make Change Studio has just been like an amazing experience in general. I didn't really imagine myself um, doing like creative classes outside of my major. Because when I first saw Make Studio, I primarily thought it was a design class. So I didn't anticipate myself doing well, but I thought, why not give it a try? But I realized it's much more than that. Everyone is like, really friendly and supportive. And that's something that's really unique in comparison to the classes um, I typically take. Because not only am I learning like, practical business skills, but I also get to familiarize myself with different design software that um, I don't typically use. And it's been um, really helpful. Hmm, interesting. And Sophia, you are a business background. You're a BD student, right? Correct? Right. So as a BD student, how important is it, is it for students like yourself to measure a course success based on their grades versus uh, learning? And has it, is it always, um, is it the case with you or have you changed? I know that it's a bigger question because the way our educational system is set up is that we put a lot of value to grades. Um, and so tell us more about your own experience and your view and your perspective on this. Mm-hmm. So for BD classes, I would say it really depends on the type of major you're in. Um, I would say in the beginning for more general-based BD courses, it's really um, based on your grade percentage. So I think, at least from my experience, uh, a lot of students I work, um, work in the classrooms with, they were really focused on just getting the highest grade possible. They didn't really mind too much about the whole learning experience. Once you finish the class, you would remember nearly nothing about it. Maybe like here and there, like little bits and pieces, but you wouldn't really retain anything. So you just get the highest mark possible. Mm -hmm. Um, This really comes from people worrying about like getting a job because a lot of times that your grades are very important to getting the job, like you'd be submitting like an official version of your transcript or like they'll be asking for your CGPA in the application. So that was um, really the main focus that I've seen, at least from um, the course I've taken that grades for the high support and software with the learning experience. But I would say the entrepreneurship-based courses or like more project-based courses, those ones were the ones where you really got to explore the learning as opposed to, let's say like um, financial-based or like uh, data-based courses. Mm, interesting. Um, and uh, I want to ask Danigan as well. Danigan, do you want to take us through your experience at Make Change? How has that changed you? Um, any 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 anecdotal story you would like to share? So, like uh, one thing that Make Change um, put an emphasis on is sustain sustainability. 
whether if it's in the fashion world or not. But for me, um, I'm not gonna lie. Before like I joined Make Change, I wasn't a big sustainability guy. But what I realized is that sustainability is not really like all the save the planet stuff, but it really teaches you how to be resourceful with like the resources you have around you. Like if you run out of like um, supplies to run your business, how are you going to find the most efficient way um, to like uh, to build your project basically? So that's what I learned about sustainability. It's not really about saving the planet, but being resourceful and also building a project project as lean as possible. Yeah. Very cool. And uh, then again, like, um, how did you find, like, make change? How do students find make change? Any advice for future students to stay focused in this course? I know that, like Sophia was talking about, this course is not all about grades. It's about learning and doing it, as Jessica also touched on it and Kelly as well. So um, any advice for future students? And I will get to uh, to advise it from all of you because I'm very interested. Feel free to jump in to Danigan's response to here. Um, how can students find make change and how can they perform well at make change? I think it's just more like um, just like any other like courses and faculties. You really need to find like um, the passion that you have. Like make change is just like anything you do in life. You have to be you have to be passionate about the topic about it. And also, like, if you're not passionate about it, make sure, like, when you're in a course, find find something that you're passionate about it and then re- relate it to them. So, so you can make it enjoyable. So, yeah. Cool. And I know that you pivoted a lot in your last semester from one topic to and until you found the one that you really uh, was passionate about. Uh, Sophia, go for yeah, it. So I really agree with Danica's point, really having that passion. Another thing that I want to touch base about is from my experience with being um, making studios, really finding the right people. Um, I think with making studio, what's really unique about it is the instructors, because it's really about like finding the people that inspire you to want to do better. So I know some courses, you have professors that just give you an assignment and then they don't really interact with you in any other way and they kind of make you feel intimidated, ask questions and that kind of stuff. But I think with Make Change Studio, what was great is that we got to see a really well-rounded um, instructor as well as we got to see well-rounded people in general in the class and also the externals that came in. And, you know, for me, seeing those people, everyone really energized and like having that kind of community-related, kind of community-oriented um, classroom environment made me want to do better because I'm like, I don't want to let these people down. They done a lot to like you know make me feel like I'm very welcomed and just wanting to bring out my best I think really feeding off the energy of other people has been really uh, helpful in terms of uh, me wanting to do better uh, not only for myself but for the people around me yeah I think like for me make change is um, more of like a, a group that keeps you accountable so like especially last semester where like we get to um, create our own project it's like seeing other people like progress in your project makes you like want to like put progress in yours too. So sometimes they give you ideas too that you never think of. And it comes from people who aren't interested in building um, your business basically. So yeah, I think that is a very important comment is um, getting feedback from people that, that are not necessarily invested in your idea. 
Mm, very cool. I know how important it is, um, the peer review and the peer feedback. And it is it is the heart of this course. Uh, and um, oftentimes, and that's how, I mean, um, human, that's how we work, a human mind. It's mo- mostly to do to deal with the um, psychology part of it, that we often listen to people who are going through the same thing like us. We can relate to them. We can converse with them with much more comfort level than people who are not, who, are, who have actually passed that stage or who are not yet in that stage. Um, so students and peer feedback and peer reviews are super important. And I'm so glad that you guys found that useful. Let's talk a little bit about projects for each one of you um, you did and you all stood out in your own ways and the projects that you have done are wonderful and I would very much like audience to know about your projects. Um, let's start with Jordan and the Magic Cape and Jessica led that project. It was a beautiful project for audiences. This is a book and I don't want to take a lot of time. Jessica, uh, yeah, tell us more about Jordan and the Magic Cape. Absolutely. So Jordan and the Magic Cape was the main class project for the first semester of Make Change. And it's important to note that everyone here was also involved in the process. So um, what was really unique about the first semester was it was more heavily focused on textile sustainability. From my understanding, as you go through Make Change, it sort of opens up to your interests a little bit more broadly. Um, But with the first semester, We basically had the chance to create a project and it could be any project that we want as long as it focused on textile sustainability. So it really came down to talking as a class. There was only about 15 of us and figuring out what direction we wanted to go in, what audience we wanted to impact. And ultimately, we came up with children. We wanted to make a positive impact on children as they're growing and introduce the idea of sustainability early on. Um, One of the things that's so fabulous about the class is you really get to, you get a chance to experience interdisciplinary collaboration. So one of the strengths of of this class and all of the other entrepreneurship classes is you're working with people that you probably wouldn't be working with unless you're taking a random breadth class. So myself coming from a SEAT background, I have a bit of design knowledge. Um, Kaylee with communications, she understands the communication stuff, you know, Danikin, Sophia, they come from business, they understand the, the business side. And we had other students, like I think we had an engineering student as well. And it was really this like, lovely mixing pot of everybody's abilities. And so we decided to create a book called Jordan and the Magic Cape, which uh, focuses a gender neutral protagonist. Um, and they love their their cape. And it talks, it's a story basically about um reusing, recycling, and fixing up something that's worn rather than throwing it away. And it talks about the impact of um, textile waste on the planet. um, And that's kind of the gist of the book. But we really got to bring each of our own strengths into the project. And for some people, it meant going extremely outside of their comfort zone. And for other people, it meant kind of stepping up and leveling up their skills that maybe they were developing in their major. Mm. And the book is published. Tell us more about the publishing process. It, it is available, I guess, um, through library. Can you tell us more? Yeah, absolutely. So in the class itself, we managed to complete the entire book. I believe there's 30... 32 pages or something like that. And so um, it really took a team to kind of create the story, to create the images, to create the book in InDesign, and then to actually 
um, get all of the key players in place. So one of the things that's really fascinating about the book is we actually have a, a tactile element on the back. So we worked with sponsors to collect recycled swatches of fabrics such as like hemp, linen, wool, um, to be able to um, put them to the back of the physical book. So each kid who's getting this book that talks about sustainability and patching up capes and stuff actually can, you know, play along, so to speak, with their own um, fabric swatches. And so that's basically what we did in the, in the class. We managed to get it to a point where it was complete. Um, and then outside of the class, and everybody here is on the legacy team, we decided to continue forward with the project. And we got it published through the library. So it is officially a published book. We are all published authors, which is something that is really exciting. And I don't know many students in classes who could probably say that they are now a published author just from a class. Right. Um, so that, that entire process was super exciting. And as a legacy team, we've recently gotten to a point where we are now uh, moving forward with uh, printing our books. So we're printing 100 physical copies to donate to different charities, initiatives, and schools in the Lower Mainland and beyond to help kind of spread the message. And uh, it was available for a short time for purchase, just for friends, families, things like that. But the book is available on our website for free. You can download it. And um, maybe at the end of the podcast, we'll kind of do our plugs with all the website stuff. <laughs> Absolutely, Jessica. And everybody else was involved in this project. And this project was a wonderful project and is a wonderful project. And so, um, yeah, we will leave uh, some links for you to know more about this project. Um, and now we have Kelly. Kelly, you worked on a project that won the Opportunity Fest Award as well. It was the category, Rethinking Fashion Category Award. So congratulations on that, first of all. <laughs> Thank you. And it's called Wrong Side Studio, right? Tell us more about Wrong Side Studio, what it does, why it does, and um, how did you come up with it? Yeah, totally. So the idea I came up with after lots of like <laughs> confusing back and forth was uh, a like community uh, sewing space. But what was different about the sewing space was that all of the sewing activities that happened would be done with recycled um, and like reused sewing materials. So like fabric and thread and buttons, um, everything would be recycled. Um, and there would hopefully be like an upcycling component of it too, where people could bring their own clothes and make them into something new within the class. Um, the other part of it was that I wanted to run it in like pre-existing community spaces. So like coffee shops and community centers um, and like maybe even partner like small shops that would be open to something kind of unconventional like that. Um, I was excited about it because I, I've always loved sewing. And so I was like, I know I want to do something about this. And I know that this is a space that, uh, I mean, it was the topic of the course, textile sustainability. So there's lots um, that can be done there. But I um, I just, for a long time, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I was like, do I want to sew stuff? Or do I want to help people sew their own stuff? And I kept going back and forth. Um, and finally, I settled on this idea. And uh, I was pretty excited about it. It's fun, like, when an idea starts to come together. And, and I got more energy from that. Um, and then Wrong Side Studio, I named it that because it's like a a sewing term, but it also sounds kind of funky and um, uh, like I didn't want it to be like a conventional sewing space. I wanted it to be really like creative and like there's no right way to sew, but just like come and try it out and like figure out how it can work for you. So um, that's what it's all about. Um, 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, I wouldn't have like thought of an idea and like followed through on all the steps of thinking it through if I hadn't taken Make Change Studio. So I feel like just getting to be in that space was so awesome because I was like, wow, I can, I can do something. <laughs> <laughs> getting to that uncomfortable space <laughs> out of your own zone, comfort zone. And that, that's really all about you grow when you are uncomfortable. You grow when you are put into a position where you really have to spread your wings out and learn to fly, right? Totally, yeah. Yeah, and um, and Rockside Studio was absolutely absolutely amazing project, and um, I, I know that you also ran a few workshops with few of your participants, and um, you made panties, right? <laughs> yeah, we did. <laughs> um, we did. So part of so part of the project was I I was going to try out a workshop, um, and so I did it with a few friends, and like part of what I wanted to do is like I think when people are learning to sew sometimes they're like oh well, like I want to make something cool and useful and obviously it takes time to learn the beginner skills but I was like I feel like underwear is a project where like they could learn skills it's not too big um but like they would have a, something that they could use every day at the end of it um and so that's what I did kind of silly but also kind of fun and um it was just funny to be like on a, we did our workshops on Zoom to do like a little Zoom workshop where we were also in underwear together. I never thought I would have done that, but it was pretty fun. It was pretty cool. And um, you talked about that you ran it on Zoom and I know that how hard it is, like because there's a lot of tactile component and, you know, physical, physical component um, in this sort of workshop and how was your experience and do you think such workshops can be done this way do you think that after post-pandemic things are going to be people are going to be open to taking classes this way or still the physical thing physical encounters and physical happening of things it still has its own value and it will never replace the online but mm. I, I think that uh, I think that zoom will pro- like yeah doing that type of thing over zoom will exist more than it did before but the in real life experience i think has a lot of bonuses especially in sewing i think like especially for beginner i mean this is a sewing specific one but especially for beginner sewers like trying to teach someone how to use their sewing machine that only they have and might be broken um over zoom is like pretty challenging but um but it, re- but it also works. So I think there's lots of opportunity there too. It's just take some time to figure out some of the um, kinks. That's true. And talking about Zoom and pandemic, Jessica, the project that you led, um, Jordan and the Magic Cape, also happened during pr- pandemic and students were um, present through Zoom and that's how the book was published, isn't it? Yeah, so what was really interesting about the first semester of Make Change, it was the fall of 2020. So we had just come out of the summer where we had a bit of freedom and suddenly we have no freedom again. Um, So it it was an interesting time in the world, so to speak. But everything that we had to do, all of our collaborations was either on Zoom or we used another tool called Figma. Um, which was like a new tool for a lot of students in Seattle. Sometimes that's kind of more of a common design tool, but there was a little bit of a learning curve, I think, for everyone, mm-hmm. um, both with the software and just like learning to collaborate because a lot of what we were doing was story writing and drawing characters and working behind the scenes, contacting people. 
And some of it, I think, lends itself naturally to being kind of distanced or being online totally fine. But a lot of it was a lot of back and forth, a lot of late nights and a lot of like, all right, have you done this? No, not yet. Okay. Have you done this? So it was definitely a learning uh, experience in that respect. But I think ultimately we really were able to pull together a really fantastic project. And um, it was a huge team, right? It was how many students were there? Uh, 15. 15. And thanks to all this, like tools like Zoom and Slack and Figma, um, that it was easy to put all of this together. So I guess uh, our technology companies are really on the forefront during this pandemic and we found use them useful, even though there are a few hiccups here and there and things could have been better. But I, I think everybody is getting really creative, come out of their zone and really creative with the use of their technology to get the work done um, in time and management in these times and communication is the most challenging part, uh, both of them. And I guess all of you did um, do that one way or the other um, while taking big change in during pandemic. That, that, could, that is a special experience, I would say, um, and circum- under circum- special circumstances um, that nothing can replace, right? I actually have one more thing to add. So I've had a chance to experience another entrepreneurship class in person as well. And I think a lot of the questions that I get from friends who are like, would you recommend it? Like it's all online is the quality of learning doesn't depreciate just because it's online. Yes, it would be fantastic if we were in person, it would make things maybe a little bit easier, but all of the lessons that you're learning and the projects that you're taking away from the class, you're still getting as much out of it in an online space as you would if you were in person. And I think that's just important to note. Mm, Thank you, Jessica. Very wise comment. Um, I want to give a chance to Sophia as well. Uh, Sophia, you worked on a project that is Triple S Shop. It's called Triple S Shop. Um, And tell us more about it, what it is, what is the market for it? What did you work on and uh, why do you believe in it? Yeah, for sure. So Triple S Shop is basically an all-in-one fashion platform where people can... um, shop they can swap so which is like trading clothes and they can also socialize so stand for triple s uh three s's there so the whole premise of it was that i wanted to figure out a way to kind of create like a community oriented um platform because a lot of times that we are pretty isolated in terms of online platforms now with like zoom and not being able to see each other and when i when i was researching the whole um textile market and I realized a lot of people, what they liked about um, in-person was the swapping and having to talk to other people. I did not really get that online as much as online shopping has been like uh, skyrocketing. And so I wanted to take this aspect of community and try to translate it into an online platform where they can still have that trading component and shopping component, but um, be able to talk to one another and get some like styling inspiration and recommendations. And that's where the Triple S Shop came to fruition. Um, for this platform, one of the things that I really learned was uh, technology, uh, designing platforms. Um, I just going to mention Figma was introduced as part of Jordan the Magic Cape. And when I was doing that project uh, with the team, I did not know how to use Figma whatsoever. I had to get people to help me. I couldn't even make a square. So that was the most challenging part was learning how to use Figma for this project. Um, but I think with a lot of Tutorials. Thank you for YouTube for doing for teaching all those tutorials. 
And for the class, um, I was able to make a prototype that I did test out with various uh, people and I was able to get really good um, feedback and really uh, see how it worked. A lot of people really like the aspect of being able to kind of have an option of, you know, um, being able to trade online and see like, the quality and like really getting to talk to people and also having a second component of um, videos and like various fashion related content where it's really catered to them. So for example, there'll be like a video saying like, oh, uh, nine different ways to style a belt. And so a lot of times we have a lot of clothes that are available, but we don't know how to style it. And this is just a good way of having everything in one spot as opposed to jumping between like four different apps. So that's where this app um, came into play. And I'm still working on developing to this day because there's a lot of things to learn. And I hope to bunch uh, of partner with other companies to see um, if I can make it a reality. Very cool. And just for the audience, Sophia tapped onto um, the secondhand market. Basically, um, we we buy clothes so much. And part of the problem with the fast fashion is that we buy, 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 and we don't know what to do with the things that we, we don't need anymore. And one of the solutions and intervention that Sophia took on was to design something um, that uh, some way or some community where swapping is a culture and some behavior, which is supported, which is encouraged rather than discouraged. And uh, we should all be okay with it. And, you know, what a beautiful way of implementing it. Um, and Sophia, I know that during this project, there were, while you were developing the MVP, you had to go through a lot of iterations and back and forth between wireframing to screen, uh, developing the screens, and then eventually making an interactive prototype. Tell us, and, and you have mentioned a little bit like your struggles with Figma, but uh, irrespective of Figma, irrespective of tool, what was the learning through this whole process um, that really stood out for you in, in developing a UX experience uh, for on of an app? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the biggest takeaway for me is learning to take things slowly. Uh, mm-hmm. For me, outside of you know my regular classes, I do like to compete in various competitions, so I'm kind of used to being able to do everything kind of like rush uh, in a rush format where I have to have an end product within like a couple of days or like a week or so. So I'm not really used to like thinking it through very thoroughly. I'm kind of used to having a whole general idea. But for the UX experience, I realized I have to slowly take a step back for one, figuring out the main features I want to focus on, which in this case was that buying and swapping uh, interactions. Next part was really drawing out like, oh, how exactly would that user experience go? So that was making a user flow for the first time. And instead of having like very, very detailed nitpicky, I need to be able to communicate that user flow in a way that um, makes sense to someone that may never seen it before. So right. I, I, I remember at one time your room was filled with stickies, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I had to fill up my room because uh, some of the technology platforms I was trying to use that didn't work out for me. So I decided to go old school and uh, use sticky notes instead, like paper sticky notes and stick it all over my wall. Um, but that really helped me break down the thought process. And then wireframing, having to actually just do the simple design, very just squares and not having all these fancy colors and fonts and stuff like that. And then eventually coming to the prototype. So this took a tremendous amount of time and um, I needed a lot of help in terms of asking my instructors for help and as well as my fellow students that are way more 
knowledgeable in design. So definitely taking a step back and, you know, soaking in the process and feedback is, I think, being open to feedback. I think a lot of times I'll be like very drawn to my project and I don't want anyone to touch it. And then I'm like, wait, I have to take a step back. I have to like let someone make it better. Like I listen to open um, yeah. other other people's opinions as yeah. opposed to like holding on to like, no, this is my project. No one can touch it kind of thing mentality. So yeah, that's the biggest thing for me um, in the UX process. Yeah, detaching oneself from a solution um, is very important. And um, I think that's something that that's something, if anything, um, we kind of like support and we encourage students to uh, be willing to do that. And uh, which is why it's easy to pivot, which is why it's easy to uh, improve and refine um, when you just take a step back, like you are talking about Sophia and take the feedback, absorb it and really see through what is much more meaningful and prioritize the feedback. So not everything that is given to you or told to you either by instructors or by fellow students is going to work, right? And so you being the in the driving seat, decide what works best and um, how to take all of that feedback from the instructors, from the consumers, actually, you also did a lot of interviews and, you know, um, user studies and, and also from your peers and dissect it and learn about how to incorporate each one of it in its own unique and creative way. So well done on that project. I really love that, um, the app, Triple S Shop. Um, all right, so Danica, we have you. So you worked on Champagne. Do, do I call it right? Yeah, you could call it like that, or you could make it more French too. So it's up to you. <laughs> you make it more French for us, please. <laughs> One of my friends, I showed him. I didn't tell him like how you should say it. Even I don't know how to say it. And then he ended up saying it's Chambay. So it sounded more French. So I kind of like the name. Now it could be interpreted in different ways, which I kind of like. Yeah. So tell us more about how did you come to Chambay? And what is Shambay? So um, basically, like what I plan to do with this project is to uh, bring healthy beverage to uh, mm-hmm. to underserved communities. But when I first started it, it was more of wanting to um, share a beverage um, that I grew up with. But more so, I wanted to, t- um, to find like a healthier solution to um, energy drinks. But let me go back to the story of like um, the beverage that I grew up with for for the audience that grew up in the tropical countries, whether it's Brazil, India, um, or Malaysia, Singapore, any tropical country across the world, you would you'll be very familiar with sugarcane. Sugarcane is a, a very big staple in a lot of tropical countries, but mm. and but then like I wanted to. Um, to share that beverage, but in, in my, in my process of, di- of discovering like, um, healthy alternative, alternative for energy drink, one of, um, someone made a comment on, you know, like, do you have any science to back it up? But here's the thing about science and a lot of research. A lot of research that you find online are based on like, um, research in Western countries. And a lot of Western countries are not tropical countries. So it was really hard for me to find like research to back up my claim. 
because in a lot of tropical countries, the, the only backup you need is, um, your ancestors who preach to, you know, like the ingredients that you use. That's enough for a lot of us. But for Western countries, it's not enough. So from there, I eventually went into, you know, like, um, apple cider vinegar. And then from there, I started discovering different kinds of like fermented beverage. And that's how I landed with kombucha. And now for me, it's like, it's not about sharing like, um, well, it's also about sharing a beverage, but then sharing like, um, a beverage that has been common in the Western world for at least 20 years. So like, um, in 1980s, um, if you guys know this man, Howard Schultz, he took coffee, Starbucks, he turned it into another beverage, powdered beverage you could find on the store shelf to, to something of a, of a lifestyle of its own. So it became something really fancy. And that's something that I wanted to create to turn like kombucha, not only from like a beverage on a store shelf you could find, but to turn it into like, um, kind of like integrated into people's lifestyle. And this beverage is something healthy. So like it's unlike coffee, coffee has its benefits too, but then there's also a lot of cons to it. So. My plan basically is to, um, to turn this kombucha into like the, the, how do I say this? Like the Starbucks of kombucha. <laughs> <laughs> you said it the right way, I guess. <laughs> Pretty fair. And, um, uh, you mentioned a little bit about, during your conversation that a lot of research and sciences that is be, be, behind, um, for example, calories calculations and all of that is based on Western uh, countries' data. And so things that are very commonly used in tropical countries, it's not well documented. It's most of the times the data and um, is through the word of mouth, the experiences, the stories, the anecdotes, right? And so at that point, either when you were deciding about sugarcane, either you had to go down and do the research yourself, which obviously need a lot of resources and money and, you know, uh, time and uh, a big team probably, and um, which made you to move on. Like, what do you suggest? Like, it, it was a pretty smart move, Danigan, I would say. It was a pretty smart pivot. And... Uh, and I am so glad that you made that pivot in the right time and so that you were able to deliver. Talking about pivoting, what are your thoughts, Danikan? And I, I know that you did pivot at least three times during your way, even though your overall vision for this uh, startup has always been the same. Um, and you pivoted on the product, right? On the product that was mostly like a product pivot and not the vision pivot. And so what... Uh, based on your experience, what would you tell the audience? When is the when when are you start getting those signals that it's time to pivot? How, how do you read those signals and how do you make a decision? I think one of the biggest advice I got is to like connect your mission um, and make it personal, but don't make it too personal to a point where like you like you cannot pivot because. For me, the hardest part was pivoting from my original idea of like, um, like starting with sugarcane juice because it was something that I grew up with. It was something I had a story to tell. And that was the part that was hard for me to detach myself from sugarcane. And I think the biggest advice is 
yeah, try to connect it, uh, with your, connect with your problem personally, but then don't, don't get too attached. Mm. True. And you can still, the story, your story is still valid, Duncan, right? And you, you, that's how you landed to this project. And uh, that story still relates quite well with the introduction of this product and how this product has been developing over the last uh, four months or so. And I'm so glad where it is right now. And for audiences who would like uh, a a taste of Chambay, we will leave some, you know, Danikan's LinkedIn or maybe email or something. You can reach out to him and we will leave some, um, you know, links for Triple S Shop by Sophia and Wrong Side Studio, maybe the presentation or something by Kelly. And of course, Jordan Magic Cake by Jessica as well. So my last question to wrap our conversation up with all of you, please feel free to jump in as you have um, ideas on to what would you suggest um, to future MakeChange students? What to expect? Just like in two sentences or what is make change? How do you define it? Or words? Get, throw, throw some words at me. Patience. <laughs> All right. We got it. Patience. Good I think what I'm trying to say is find something that's easy to do, but takes a lot of patience. Mm-hmm. Just like a lot of fermented food, like wine, kombucha. It's easy to make, to put it together. Wow. But it, it takes a lot of patience for you to wait out the time. Oh my goodness, Danica, yeah. this champagne has made you so wise. I never realized. <laughs> <laughs> like looking at that drink to ferment for a long time, you have developed that patience. Yeah. <laughs> right, very cool. Any, uh, what else? What is make change? Words. <laughs> I would say dedication, especially when things go awry. Like for example, when I was in make change, uh, during the triple S shop, I remember my computer breaking down, losing all my data, and having to start again from scratch. So, which is why I had these sticky notes eventually, because I had no technology for like two weeks. Oh wow! Yeah, I remember um, the dark days, Sophia. <laughs> the two weeks dark dark age period. <laughs> I should say dark age but dark period and yeah you pulled through i think kudos to you on that that was wonderful and i think you're right that's the dedication that you had the commitment that you had with the things that you do and you delivered so very good any other word i would say like being sure of yourself is a big one because i think as soon as you do that you Mm -hmm. can like even if your initial idea isn't perfect you can like kind of follow your intuition and like go from there but like just starting with confidence I think is hard but like would have benefited me in the process Mm. so being sure Kelly uh, means knowing really your heart what your heart really wants so something from directly coming out from your own self-interest and you know something that you feel passionate about is that correct yeah totally and oh. and if you're unsure, like just trusting that like it, it's okay to be sure about something and try it. And like, if it doesn't work, that's okay too. Right. And so one of the things that, or, and I often, you know, uh, talk about this, like how our educational system put a lot of cost and failure, whereas at Make Change, we kind of like entertain failures because we want 
um, us, all of us, including us as well, instructors as well as the uh, students to fail before this, because failure gives you a lot of learning that success cannot. So failing is a is a kind of like integral part of it. And I think Kelly said the right thing. You have to try, whether you believe in it or not. Um, the chances are you believe in it and you, f- uh, you will succeed. And if you believe in it partially and you try and it didn't work, that's okay too. You, you got a chance um, to give it a second try, a, a new idea, a new vision, right? Yeah, Thank totally. You. <laughs> Thank you. I think um, building off of what you guys both just said, it sounds like me, uh, or it sounds to me like growth mindset. So really having the confidence in your ability to learn and improve. Um, and with what you mentioned about failure, Nagmi, mm-hmm. um, people are oftentimes afraid to fail, right? You think of failure and you're like, oh my gosh, like this is horrible. But what you'll learn in entrepreneurship through growth mindset and through a lot of these fantastic classes like Make Change is that failure is necessary in order to improve. And so by building in failure into the class, it's in a controlled manner and it's in a safe space. You know, you have your classmates, you have your professors, you have your mentors to allow you to understand why did this fail? Okay, it did. Let's pivot. Let's move on and let's continue moving forward and growing your idea from there. Wow, Jessica. Yeah, yeah. Put you you use the right words, the right terminology, growth mindset. Yes. How can we forget? Like this is at the end of the day, it's all about your mindset. It's all about how you how do you see this world? How do you process the things that you see in this world? Um, and um, when I say process, it's mostly uh, about internalizing and the analyzing and then taking action based on what you have um, processed. And so a wonderful, beautiful conversation. I'm so happy that you all, we, we, you know, it was hard for us to arrange this call. And you're so also busy and, you know, four people at the same time. This is the first podcast with uh, four of you. And so um, I'm so glad it came together. We were able to sit down and have this conversation. Three of you, actually, if the audience are listening, are going to be part of the summer as well. Uh, so you will be, I will be happy to welcome you, um, Danik and Sophie and Jessica, back into our summer classes. Kelly is graduating, which is very cool as it is. So Kelly, uh, we will miss you, definitely. <laughs> but thank you for coming today. Thank you, Jessica, Danik and Sophie. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for having us, Nick. Me. Thank you. Thank you.